As this uh, beautiful church so often powerfully speaks with its windows and stations of the cross and statues and pictures, murals, good Christian art uh, can be a true help uh, to our faith. It was the second time that ever that I had gotten into Santa Maria Vittoria in Rome to visit the great masterpiece by John Lorenzo Bernini of St. Teresa in Ecstasy. There are many good uh, photographs and pictures of it you can find on the internet. But um, I remember I entered the church and it was dark. Uh, I remembered also being a little bit miffed that you have to put in a couple of um, euros <laughs> in a slot to be able to turn on the lights. Actually, it wasn't the lights of the church. You just got the light over, of course, the, uh, 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 the beautiful uh, sculpture of St. Teresa and uh, the angel with the dart or the arrow, you know, aimed at her heart. Um, it's an amazing sculpture. Bernini was a man of of very deep faith. You want to learn about a, a great book by a woman by the name of Elizabeth Lev. She's written a whole thing about how art uh, maintained uh, the Catholic faith uh, during the times of what we call the Counter-Reformation. Bernini was one of those. Michelangelo is all you, of course, most everyone knows. When I remember looking at that sculpture, not as big as the Pieta, but it's, it's impressive. And um, it kind of blows you away. It's, it's so unbelievably beautiful uh, and so perfect. I thought, hmm, yeah, Michelangelo you get, gets the credit for doing all the, the really great stuff. Bernini, I would say this is pretty close to equal. St. Teresa says, well, first of all, uh, the Pope who canonized her said, she saw an angel with a flaming dart piercing her heart. These heavenly gifts, the flame of divine love in her heart, the Pope says. And St. Teresa herself, in 29th chapter of, of her um, autobiography, a book of her life, is the loving exchange that takes place between the soul and God is so sweet that I beg him in his goodness to give a taste of this love to anyone who thinks that I'm lying. When she describes this extraordinary ecstasy, this thing that happened to her with the vision of the dart um, or the arrow with the flame on the end of it, it's amazing. Uh, Extraordinary. And of course, she had these ecstasies, and her feet were always on the ground in the sense that, you know, she knew people would doubt, uh, people wouldn't understand. She had to deal with her more than her share of persecution. We celebrate then this day, this feast day, in one of the strangest times in all of our lives. This kind of thing we've been going through, it's so new to us. We want it to go away. We don't like it. 
And think for a minute of all the anger that's in our world right now. And anger in the church, sadly. Anger in politics. Confusion. That creates anger. Nothing doesn't. You know what? Teresa would not be surprised. Plagues were almost a regular occurrence, even, yes, in her time. Most horrific one, the bubonic plague, had happened a hundred plus years before her, but still, there were plagues that continued well, well, even a century or so after her that were major ones. There were problems in the church. The church was reeling, literally reeling, and especially in her time, and would continue to into the next century, dealing with all of the problems after the Reformation. And there was always plenty of politics that she had to deal with, even within her own communities that she founded. I love that statue of her walking beyond the march. We Christians are called to that. She says, Whoever lives in the presence of so good a friend and excellent a leader as in Jesus Christ can endure all things. I think that's chapter 22 of her life. Where did she get this? Whenever I read those kinds of, of statements by saints, other, tr- other great saints like Catherine, Siena, Dominican Tertiary, uh, St. Ignatius, etc., you ask yourself, where did they get all of that? They're for us. She's living now in heaven, interceding for us. She sounds so much like St. Paul, though. She goes on, Teresa does, Christ helps us and strengthens us and never fails. He is a true friend. Arrows and darts fly all over of all kinds, don't they? But the one dart that we wish to be open to, to our hearts, is the one whose side was pierced by the lance as he hung upon the cross. The scriptures, I think, teach us something powerfully in the readings today and for this particular uh, uh, mass, the, the readings are from the sacramentary and lectionary of uh, the, the Carmelite community. But we hear from St. Paul's great letter to the Romans in arguably sometimes called the greatest chapter of all, uh, chapter 8, that the Spirit too comes to help us in our weakness. When we find ourselves struggling with these things of the world, we've got to come back to open our hearts to the heart of Christ anew. Yes, he, Paul says, if we are children, we are heirs as well, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Ah, sharing his sufferings. And so, Teresa 
John of the Cross. So many of the great saints are what we would say and theologians would say totally incarnational. The church is the body of Christ. St. Paul says we fill up that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, that amazing statement from Colossians. And he's just simply reminding us of joining our sufferings in our hearts to Christ. Spirit, yes, helps us in our weakness to deal with the darts of the evil one, which we have many, the darts of, uh, uh, you know, the political problems we have in our nation, in our country, and we cannot control all of this. Again, we want to open our hearts to the one whose side was pierced by the lance on the cross. Teresa, um, in that passage that I read from in the 29th chapter of her life, it's amazing. She explains and develops more than I could ever do here. But just this whole idea of the pain, the suffering, and all done in love, filled with the love, because that's the one who who pierces our heart with his love. The church again of St. Teresa, St. John of the Cross, profoundly incarnational. The body of Christ, united most completely when we celebrate the Eucharist, what we're here for tonight. The more and more I read of uh, the great, great, saints of the Carmelite community, much less so many others, the martyrs of Compiègne. Uh, I was on retreat and recently this past week before and uh, came upon uh, St. Miriam Borardi of Jesus Crucified. That young woman as a child went through so many injustices, unbelievable unfairness. And I have the priests that dealt with uh, young people who have had things happen and say, why, you know, why did my parents break up? Or, you know, you know why did, uh, uh, you know, I suffered this particular kind of uh, problem. And it amazes me, amazes me how someone like this Carmelite saint, took her a little while to get into the community, Miriam, uh, dealt with all this. There's a photo of her, and again, I'm just mentioning one example, and it's a delightful photo, and it shows her with this peace and smile upon her face, taken in the 19th century, which people didn't smile back then, <laughs> at least in photos. Um, so this whole thing, dealing with the unfairness, dealing with the anger, dealing with the confusion of our world, dealing with the unfair politics of which we've seen so much. And I can't address everything like that. Teresa, once again, teaches us over and over. Yes. The one who lives in the presence of so good a friend an excellent a leader as in Jesus Christ 
can endure all things.